Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister says Canada will be very careful when it comes to reopening borders. As economic activity starts to ramp up, as restrictions get loosened uh, across countries, uh, it is likely that we see a few more people either returning home or uh, a few more uh, people trying to cross the border. We need to make sure that the measures that we're bringing forward uh, are going to keep Canadians safe. Could we see a national inquiry into long-term care? I want to make sure that Canadians know that our focus right now is in getting all the supports that we can to the provinces and territories so that they can deal with this and keep as many of our seniors safe and save lives. Going forward, there will be time to reflect on the lessons that we've learned. And should the federal government get involved with the province's decisions on reopening? I am the leader of a party on the federal scene. I'm not the only one, but I am one leader of a party on the federal scene that will not put its nose in Quebec's business. So they will make their own decisions. I entirely trust them to make the best decisions. It's Wednesday, May 13th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by author and op-ed columnist for the Chronicle Herald, Dan Legere. Dan, thank you for joining us. Glad to help, Mark. So the Prime Minister is saying Canada will be careful when it comes to reopening borders. Obviously, there's a lot of scrutiny right now on the Canada-U.S. border. What do you think uh, the government will do and what should it do when it comes to this really important border with the United States? A lot of people are expressing concern over the speed at which the United States is attempting to return to normal and reopen its economy and the risk that that poses to Canada. Well, it's it's a very real and and uh, you know a risk that cannot be ignored. Um, we're a long way from resuming normal commerce back and forth, trade, tourism, and and all the like that goes on between Canada and the U.S. And as everybody knows, you know the Americans are our most important trading partners and great allies, even if relations have been strained for the last couple of years. But um, I don't think there's much appetite in the public or in the federal government at the moment to just open the borders to the Americans, um, you know, given the fact that the situation with the virus in the state seems so chaotic and, and almost out of control, you know, with uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of cases uh, popping up everywhere around the U.S., it's um, you know, it certainly exposes Canada to a lot of danger if things are just opened up. Plus, I suspect a lot of Americans are going to want to come here as soon as they can and, and get out of the more dangerous situation in the U.S. into the somewhat more, uh, you know, somewhat safer conditions here in Canada. So, um, I mean, I think the government will proceed really cautiously. It has to. You know, it doesn't want to risk alienating the Americans any further. But at the same time, I don't think there's much appetite among the public to uh, suddenly have a bunch of uh, Americans swarming across the border under heaven knows what uh, regulations that are there. So uh, I think we're a ways yet before it gets much looser on the border. While we're talking about reopening, of course, some provinces, particularly Quebec, are moving ahead with uh, reopening schools, reopening workplaces, taking other measures to restart the economy. And... Uh, the question remains, what role does the federal government have in all of this? The prime minister expressed concern a couple of days ago, said he would be watching closely. But is there a role for the federal government? Uh, can the federal government put any kind of limits on what provinces are doing, or is it entirely their own jurisdiction? 
You know, this is an interesting constitutional question, uh, Mark. You know, I, I guess if, if push came to shove, if some province directly uh, defied or contradicted the federal advice on this, but that's what it is, is a, it's advice. Uh, the federal government has immense resources you know, on the um, on the medical side, on the on the virus hunting and the scientific side, um, and it can give good advice to the provinces. But I think ultimately, it's going to be up to the provinces to decide, uh, in their own best interest, what's what's right to do in their own jurisdictions. I, I can't really see um, a situation. And look, right from the start of this, Mark, there's been really good cooperation between the provinces and Ottawa. No matter what the political stripe of, of the government's involved, I think Canadians really support that. And I think provincial premiers are probably hearing that at ground level as well from their own constituents. Just that, look, we're getting along OK, sort of, uh, with, a, with a high degree of cooperation and mutual uh, sort of support. Um, and that's what should continue. So I, I can't really see... Ottawa big-footing provinces in terms of uh, their decisions on reopening, but I do think that um, it won't happen at the same pace across the country. I think that's pretty obvious. Is Quebec going to be the big experiment? Are the other provinces basically going to hold back and say, let's see what happens there? Well, you know, there might be some of that uh, going on, although I do think every province is tied up in their own way you know, with, uh, with, with local conditions. And, and as you know, uh, some provinces are making more progress against the virus than others. Uh, the thing with Quebec, which seems most anxious to get rolling again, but it also has the most cases and, and, uh, and the most problems. But um, as with many other provinces, though, Mark, including here in Nova Scotia, where we have an abnormally high number of cases and deaths, most of them are restricted to government-run or, or private uh, long-term care facilities. And uh, if governments across the country feel they're able to concentrate on those, prevent spread out of those and into those facilities, then uh, maybe they'll feel uh, their way more open to reopening as, uh, as the days go by. One of the other areas of uh, high level of scrutiny right now, of course, is what's happening in long-term care facilities in this country. And there are people saying, for example, Jagmeet Singh, that they should be uh, taken into public control going forward, that they should be nationalized. Uh, There are others saying there should be some type of inquiry into long-term care homes. Uh, What do you think about that? Where are we going on this issue, do you think? Well, you know, uh, this, this whole crisis has uh, defined a major public policy problem that we have in this country, and that is how are we dealing with these vulnerable seniors? Um, you know, I do think an inquiry is needed. I mean, a full-dress inquiry with investigative powers, subpoena powers, and the whole nine yards that is able to look at these responses. Now, that is going to be a can of worms because these are provincial jurisdictions, so they would have, it would have to be done in a, in a smart way. But I don't think uh, there's any merit in turning every single nursing home or long-term care facility into a government institution. Here uh, in our province, the biggest outbreak and and the most dangerous one that's caused the most deaths has happened in a provincially run um, long-term care facility. I I think what we've got to be looking at is it's safe to put, in say in our case where it's been so bad at the Northwood uh, Centre in Halifax, 
Do you want to have 450 or 485 people all living in one building, vulnerable people? These are the questions that have to be asked. Uh, You know, it's time, and the country is aging. These issues must be confronted. And and uh, for too long we've been you know we've been going along with patchworks here and there you know private homes being used for it or or private businesses government so there's a mixture of it I think a mixture is appropriate but it has to be done with with really strict regulation and with uh, with a view to um, making sure these kinds of things can't just break out in a heavily populated building. And I think one of the questions is, what are the standards going to be going forward? Uh, how far apart will residents live? Will there be multiple people to a room? What uh, will be uh, the threshold for uh, the size of these institutions? And how much scrutiny will there be from the authorities, even if they are privately owned, right? I agree entirely. And, uh, you know, there there's a vast uh, difference in terms of... Uh, what these facilities offer. I mean, some some are, are filled with people who are relatively young, but who are disabled for whatever reason. Um, some of them are all elderly people, or or filled with dementia uh, patients. I mean, it's it's really complicated. But uh, again, I say I don't can't recall a really uh, global look at this issue on the part of the Canadian government, or even really much in the provinces. And, you know, people talk about it. Um, but it's it's hard to do, uh, and even there's an, even a NIMBY kind of uh, movement where people in residential suburbs and things like that don't want long-term care facilities around them. They just, uh, for whatever reason, they don't want that type of development. Um, that has to loosen up. You know, uh, care for the elderly has to be something that's available in every community. And um, and this is time for a national rethink on this. It's a vitally important issue. We can't ignore it. Uh, you know, it's easy to, to, you know, not think about it when you're young and healthy. Uh, but for those of us with family members um, facing this, it, it, it really shows that this is a national issue that has to be uh, reformed. And this is the opportunity to do it. Uh, you know, it's time for Canadians to face this and get on with it. While we're talking about older Canadians, uh, what did you think about the measures introduced yesterday? After some apparent delay, there was the expectation that it would be last week, but there were measures introduced yesterday for Canadian seniors, some additional money for them. Yeah, well, every bit helps. And and for a lot of, I mean, sure, there are lots of rich old people in Canada uh, to whom uh, $300 or $500 won't won't make much difference. But I think... uh, you know, an extra five hundred dollars for uh, seniors who are at the lowest end of the economic spectrum uh, is going to be a big help. And let's face it, people can't get out; they they can't go out and, and take uh, you know go to the grocery store as easily as other people. Transportation has become a real issue for for elderly people. So it's it, there's lots of things that this is going to help with. And um, and plus, you have the whole society building up a gigantic debt lasting decades into the future. And uh, you can't just leave one segment of the population aside while and, and you know, ironically enough, the, the segment of the population that's bearing the heaviest brunt of the virus itself. So, um, you know, I, I'm not surprised that this happened and, and it is going to help a heck of a lot of people. All right, Dan, great to have your comments on all of this today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for the call, Mark. That's Dan Legere, author and op-ed columnist for The Chronicle Herald. 
as economic activity starts to ramp up, as restrictions get loosened uh, across countries, uh, it is likely that we see a few more people either returning home or uh, a few more uh, people trying to cross the border. Now here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Bruce Arthur argues in favour of keeping the Canada-U.S. border closed. Arthur writes, For Canadians, the United States is like living next to a theme park. Sometimes fun, sometimes dangerous, sometimes haunted, and sometimes overrun by zombies. America is also, in the age of COVID-19, the single biggest outside threat to Canada. We can't open the border for a very long time because America's national immolation could be contagious. Our government must continue to stay on good terms with its unstable partner while making clear the border is non-negotiable. In the Globe and Mail, Gary Mason argues, as economies begin to reopen, setbacks abound. Mason writes, South Korea and Germany are seeing a spike in cases. France and China have also reported new outbreaks. And many are bracing for a dramatic new wave of cases in the United States, as some governors pursue aggressive reopening plans. Managing a pandemic is not an exact science. It's not as simple as turning the dial on a thermostat to find the right temperature, although that's close to what public health officials and politicians are trying to do. In McLean's, Isaac Bogach and Goldie Hyder argue a significant increase in testing is necessary to restart the economy. They write, We know that future waves of COVID-19 are coming. Until now, we have been playing catch-up. But as the first wave recedes, we have an opportunity to get out in front of the virus rather than constantly chasing it from behind. To achieve that, we need a significant increase in testing capacity nationwide. People want to get back to business, but a healthy economy requires a healthy population. Increased testing will build the public confidence we need for a sustainable recovery. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. MPs will be back in the House of Commons today for their weekly in-person sitting, and there will be new legislation for them to pass. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, as is their Wednesday schedule these days, a reduced number of MPs will be in the House today for a more than five-hour sitting. It starts at 12 noon Eastern Time with a sitting of the Commons Special Committee on COVID-19. For more than two hours, opposition MPs will have a chance to question the Prime Minister and Government Ministers. After that, the House will then officially sit to debate the government's latest emergency legislation, changes to the Canadian Dairy Commission Act. This was all part of the Trudeau government's announcement last week of $252 million in aid to the country's farmers. That aid package also includes an additional $200 million line of credit for the Dairy Commission to help cover the costs of dairy producers who may have to store their excess cheese, butter or milk. MPs will have to agree to a fast-track legislation as the government hopes to have the bill debated and passed by the end of the day. Now, you can expect a degree of debate over the fast-tracking of the bill as farm groups and opposition parties have criticized the government's agricultural aid package as falling short of what farmers need. Prime Minister Trudeau has said that the package is just a first step. Now, if and when the bill is passed, it's expected to be debated and passed by the Senate, which will gather for a special sitting on Friday. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister is expected to give his daily briefing on the coronavirus crisis. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will speak with the media in Ottawa, and the Green Party caucus will hold a virtual town hall. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, May 13th. 
Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.